Cover cropping is pretty hot right now, but that doesn't make it any easier to know if it's right for you or to fit cover crops into your complex farming system. This podcast from Soil Wealth and Integrated Crop Protection will cover how Harvest Moon are using cover crops, as well as how and why other growers are fitting them into their rotations. We'll take a look at the economics of using cover crops, what do they cost and what are the potential returns, and we'll zoom in to the different species being used and the jobs they can do. Firstly, here is a Tasmanian farmer and president of a soil-focused grower group sharing his cover crop story. My name's Dave Roberts-Topson from Van Diemen Quality Bulbs at Table Cape in northwest Tasmania. We've been interested in soil health for a number of years, but when we got rid of our sheep, we realised that you know our long pasture periods and things, they were giving a lot to the soil, and by removing that out of our system, we went to full cropping, we, we were aware that we were going to have to do some changes to, to help. We did a bit of a 10-year plan about what we wanted the farm to look like, and when we are talking about um, our soil, the initial thing was we want it to be as good in 10 years as it is now. And looking at sort of the, the soil problems that we had, I sort of thought, well, that it's not exciting at all. Like it's uh, hard to get excited about the sort of it being the same as it is now. If we want it to be better, well, we've got to improve it. And to improve it, you've got to actually invest in it and you've got to learn more about it. And that just sent um, me personally down a bit of a rabbit hole of the things that are happening in soil health all around the world. And there's a fantastic community of people I sort of tapped into and started meeting and talking to on Twitter and watching videos online and, and then meeting people, more people around our local area who are also sort of investing in their soils. Investing in soil could be printed on a T-shirt worn by Harvest Moon's Agricultural Director, Mark Cable. Up on the northwest coast, we've got a pretty simple strategy at Harvest Moon as far as our, our cropping programs go. Basically, we have a cover crop in, in every paddock uh, barring our onion program, and when I say a cover crop, it could be a it could be a ryegrass, could be a it could be a, a biofumigant, could be a tillage radish. Depending on the species used, cover crops offer the following potential benefits: improved soil structure, inexpensive nitrogen, recovery and storage of surplus plant nutrients, soil pest and disease suppression, for example, biofumigation weed suppression, soil surface protection, and relief of compaction. Now let's take a look at the different species growers are using and why. Broadly, we can split the species list into grasses, legumes, biofumigants, and other broadleaf plants. We can also make distinctions about root architecture. There are tap-rooted plants, good for punching down through compacted layers and drawing up nutrients and fibrous rooted plants, good for aggregating the soil and adding organic matter. Many species don't fit neatly into either category and most of what this episode will discuss is dependent on soil type, conditions and management. Ag science can be unsatisfying at times. The most useful starting point is, what do you want or need from your cover crop? What is your soil management aim? For soil structure, ryegrass is a popular choice or other grasses such as millet, sorghum and sedan grass. Their masses of fibrous roots have many benefits for soil and they are generally easy to terminate. For an inexpensive nitrogen input, legume crops can fix between 1 to 200 kilos of nitrogen per hectare. This will only occur if your soil nitrogen levels are low 
and if the plants have the right rhizobia, sometimes you need to inoculate the seed. If your nitrogen levels are elevated at the end of a crop, you can use a mixture of fibrous and taprooted cover crop species to recover and store nutrients and keep them closer to the surface. This can help prevent leaching and loss to the air. If your priority is pest and disease management, the volatile plant chemicals released by particular brassica crops when mulched and incorporated into moist soil are known as biofumigants and are used by many growers to suppress soil-borne diseases and pest organisms like nematodes. If weeds are your number one concern, a thickly sown and well-managed cover of grasses or a brassica species can outcompete and suppress weed growth. Erosion is something to be avoided at all costs. Have you listened to our podcast on the ripper mulcher? And cover crops can play an important role in covering and protecting the soil surface, as well as increasing soil organic material, which improves water infiltration. High biomass crops like the grasses are best at this job. Some growers are combining many different species in thoughtful, creative and beautiful ways to access multiple benefits and to build a functioning soil ecosystem that reflects the diversity of more natural environments. Others are using a model wherein careful management, timing and control are top priority with a single species or plant type. Let's hear from our friends at Harvest Moon who produce spectacular amounts of top quality produce in Northwest Tasmania. Here's Agricultural Director Mark Cable. At Harvest Moon, it's all about the soil. Yes, Mark, we got that, but what about the cover crops? Well, there's a combination, but the most commonly used one is, is tamar ryegrass. What we like about tamar, it is quick growing, it's relatively cheap, it's got a great root mass, and really it, it decomposes down to very little, as long as you give yourself plenty of time. Uh, leading into the next crop. If you're spraying it off, you know, a good couple of months before a crop's due to go in, you know, it'll decompose into nothing. You know, it takes very little energy and power then to, to work that ground and work that, that, that decomposing grass and root mass into a beautiful seedbed. So rule of thumb, we like to have uh, some sort of cover in every paddock over winter. Now that always doesn't work because there's obviously crops like onions, that go in in the dead of winter, so we will probably fallow those through. Um, but basically, everything else will have a cover crop. Um, other, other other crops we've played around in the past. We're doing a bit of work with tillage radish at the moment, especially on some of our heavier, tighter ground. We've seen some really good results with that. In terms of easing that compaction and absolutely, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Still playing around with caliente, especially for certain crops like carrots and potatoes. For disease control, yeah, cow, namely cavity spot with, um, with with carrots. But really, you know, our number one cover crop here at Harvest Moon would be the tamarai grass. So take your management aims, the growing conditions, and kind of roll them around in a mix of creativity, experience, gut feeling, and reality. Throw it into a PTO-driven concrete mixer. That's the way Mike Nichols makes his cover crop seed mixes. And feed it to your precious soil. We've got to have very good forward planning and preparation for our soils. Next, we're going to talk about timing and planning. As discussed earlier, your management aim should guide your choice of cover crop species and timing. For the best outcome, it's important to take care of the cover crop. Make sure conditions are good for growth and it has enough water and plant nutrients. There are different species for winter cover or summer cover 
and some, like buckwheat, that can grow very quickly and fit into tighter gaps between rotations. I spoke to Mark Cable in the early autumn, when Harvest Moon are getting their winter covers growing while there's still warmth in the soil. That's right. As, as soon as a paddock becomes available, we'll get in there, and, and, and we also use other amendments like poppy mark. So we're out there now spreading poppy mark, uh, getting the paddocks ripped, drilling the grass, in the, irrigating it up, and, and trying to push it as much as we can going into winter. In the autumn, where you still got a bit of heat, so in, in March, we might put a, 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 ryegra- a tamar ryegrass in and we might spray it out probably by June. Yep. So you've still got plenty of, plenty of heat. Soil temperature's still good. It might take a bit of water. So we normally, you know, if it is dry like it is now, we'll water it up and water it pretty well to really promote it and grow it and get it up and away. You don't mind investing that in the... No, definitely not. Mm. Definitely not. Yeah. It's all about soil health. As well as investing in soil health, Harvest Moon carries out a lot of forward planning. We've already got, you know, next year's crops all locked away and where they're going. Myself and my farm manager, Andrew Bott, we both sit down and go through it and pull it to pieces and put a system in place. You know, we're virtually already looking to the year after now as far as, especially the stuff on the flats. You know, we've got a sort of a formula now around spinach, red onions, uh, beetroot beans and a brassica in there. So we really know what's happening out there for the next probably four years already. Uh, the red ground, the red rolling hills, pretty much there's, there's, a, there's a, bit of a bit of a recipe there as well. So that's sort of more or less locked away, but you, you do get changes from time to time. Um, but most of it's locked away for probably the next three or four years you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a program. Earlier in the season, I spoke with grower Dave Roberts-Thompson of Van Diemen Quality Bulbs for another perspective. It's not always easy, like it's very dry summer. So right now we should have more, a lot more cover crops in over the summer period than we do. It's challenging to find, realistically, we only had one window to put cover crops in before a rain, um, which is what we'd prefer to do because we're tr- not trying to spend a lot of money on most of these cover crops. Occasionally we'll, we'll choose to spend money on them, depending on what our resource concern is, you know, what we're trying to do. But normally we try to, yeah, put them in and not spend a lot of money on them. So we haven't got many cover crops in right now and we're waiting for, you know, we've got all the seeds sitting here waiting for the next forecast rain, which is not coming. If you get your cover in the ground and growing, it requires management, particularly for weeds. And it's crucial that you have a plan for termination in the context of managing your following cash crop. How much height and biomass can your machinery handle? How much decomposition time do you need? If you're using a biofumigant, there's a lot of careful considerations required for a good outcome. Do you need to avoid any of the cover species going to seed? Some, like buckwheat, have real weed potential. As I've been told by farmers I admire, farming is a system. Cover crops make a lot of sense from a soil health perspective. They can be integrated into many different cropping systems and usefully combined with other management tools like reduced till and strip till. Mark Cable again. And that's really easy. So we've got on strip till now, after, after tamar, all the brassicas, pumpkin and beans. There are lots of great cover crop and biofumigation resources and case studies at soilwealth.com.au. The final topic of this podcast is the economics of cover crops. The Soil Wealth and Integrated Crop Protection Project has carried out several cover crop demonstration trials, and I'll summarise what we've learned. So, what returns can cover crops provide? 
It can take several seasons to realise the full economic benefits, which can include improved soil health, including water storage and infiltration, improved soil structure, which can reduce tillage costs, reduced erosion, improved nutrient cycling, especially nitrogen, with a potential decrease in fertiliser inputs, suppression of weeds, pests and diseases, allowing for a reduction in ag chemical inputs. This is most effective when combined with integrated pest management. Increases in quality and packout have been observed, including increased shelf life, and there is a potential for yield increases. Like all field trials, these effects were not seen in all cases and were variable. It is important on your own farm to keep good records and to implement any new practice with lots of forward planning. Be like Mark Cable. And the cost of growing a cover crop? The seed will cost money, ranging in 2016 prices from $50 a hectare for tillage radish to $250 a hectare for the biofumigant caliente. Most species don't require fertiliser, although some do, and unless you have some well-timed rain, you may need to invest in irrigation, none of which you would have to do for a bare fallow. But what does a bare fallow cost you? The biggest losses will be organic matter and topsoil erosion. These can be significant costs that are difficult to regain. If you could have grown another cash crop instead of the cover crop, then you've lost some income. But your soil has missed a chance to rest, which may carry a price in soil health and disease pressure. Let's head back to Table Cape in northwest Tasmania, where I asked Dave Roberts-Thompson about perceived return on investment for cover crops. Yeah, we feel like we're getting a return. After a few years of doing this, the soil quality that we've got is yeah, really quite impressive. Um, we're, this year we had, you know, we're really seeing a massive increase in earthworm activity. Not on every paddock um, yet, but we're, we're seeing them, we're finding them again because one of the issues we had and one of the, I guess, the things that we found on our farm is that we had a big earthworm decline and it was probably to do with a couple of factors and the porosity and the bulk density of the soil in some of these paddocks that we've been working on hard is just, it's just light and, uh, yeah, lots of aeration and lots of earthworm activity, which is, um, yeah, it's really exciting to see and we seem to be growing good crops in those those paddocks too. So um, I feel like it's it's well worth it. I know what you want to hear. How much will this cost? What is the return? But if you're this far down the rabbit hole of soil health, you are already aware that it is really hard to pin those down. It's for that reason that Soil Wealth has chosen to feature a successful agricultural business, Harvest Moon, that keeps their bottom line at the forefront of their decision-making. Harvest Moon grow and process large volumes of vegetables near Forth in northwest Tasmania, and I spoke with Agricultural Director Mark Cable. How do you know that their cover crops are working? They're working because we're seeing results in the crops. We're seeing it come back through in crop after crop after crop. We're seeing it in just the general soil health. We're seeing it in when you take the spade out in, in the spring and you're digging up, there's just a, a heap of earthworms in the soil. So that's always a good indication that you've got a healthy soil and, and, and things are in balance. Mm, yeah, um, but look, without a doubt, we, we do P&Ls on every paddock. A P&L is a profit and loss statement. I had to look that up. We're, we're really watching our yields um, and our packouts. And presumably um, their cover crop would come into that P&L? Absolutely. Yeah. Nailed it. And, and look, as I said, that, that is the beauty of, 
of Tano. It's it, it's relatively cheap seed, um, and and really it's it's a, it's a it's a roundup, and um, and it decomposes down to nothing. So you're not running over your paddocks with three or four different operations with mulches or you know plows and. It'll, it'll decompose to nothing and basically it's a power harrow in front of the onion drill or in front of uh, uh, any other planter and you can plant. Saving money on larger machinery and the maintenance and fuel it demands is an important part of Harvest Moon's economic strategy. And as you can hear, their cover crops are fully costed and well worth it. It's even possible that the extent of potential future returns is beyond our expectations. Back to Dave Roberts-Thompson. In our red soils, you can get away with a lot, but um, what we're sort of trying to find out is potentially, you know, we can do a lot more with these soils. We don't really know what their potential is yet. And from what um, some visiting farmers from overseas think that, you know, we've got, yeah, really great potential. And what people like Darren Long have shown is that, yeah, you, you can do some, you know, fantastic things with these soils and if you, if you look after them and treat them well. That concludes our four-part cover crop mini-series. My thanks to Bart Cable and Dave Roberts-Thompson. Remember to visit soilwealth.com.au for so many great resources and fact sheets. This series has been recorded and produced by me, Teresa Chapman, for the Soil Wealth and Integrated Crop Protection Project, which is funded by Horde Innovation using the Vegetable Research and Development Levy and funds from the Australian Government.